One of the great strengths of the Grace Bible Church is our elder team. We have a board of uh, elders that help me to shepherd the church, and these are godly men. And I'd encourage you to get to know these guys. Their names are on the back of the bulletin. A lot of you don't even know them. Get to know these men, uh, Oscar Rocco and Brian Dosa and Michael Harris and Loris Shepard. Uh, and we have the blessing of hearing from Loris this morning. I got to hear his sermon first service, and he did a great job. He's one of those people, if you cut him, he bleeds Bible. So we're going to get to hear a lot of Scripture from him this morning, and so we're excited. If you'll welcome him. Thank you, Loris. Appreciate you. Good news. God is here. And that makes all the difference. Uh, we've just been celebrating Christmas and the good news of Jesus, Emmanuel. His name should be called Emmanuel, God with us. John 1, 14, and God became flesh. The word became flesh and lived among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God is with you. Do you believe that? Does that make a difference in your life? Uh, let's pause for just another word of prayer. And, uh, Lord, we ask you to show yourself to us individually in a way that each of us can understand and that impacts our lives, that changes us. And, Lord, when we leave this place, to be a little more aware that you are with us. Whatever we face in life, whatever we're going through right now, you are here, you are present, and you are with us. Thank you, God, for the tremendous gift. Amen. Emmanuel, God with us. Well, right there is the whole message. If uh, And you can spend the rest of your life uh, just thinking about that, what the implications are, uh, how that applies, and uh, what, uh, what that means to you. Um, in fact, it'll take all eternity, I think, as we just keep expanding our understanding of what that means. So the message in one word, Emmanuel. And uh, if, you, if I lose you somewhere along the line here, just go back to that, and you'll have it all. Uh, Jesus came, God in the flesh, and actually lived, walked, talked. Uh, the disciples touched him. They spoke to him. They could hear him. They ate with him. Uh, he was one of them. And uh, uh, he was certainly with them. And he had been teaching all day and uh, teaching the people in parables. It was towards the end of the day. And uh, they were by the Sea of Galilee. And he said to his disciples, because they were fishermen, some of them were fishermen, they had their boat. Let's uh, get in the boat. Let's go to the other side of the lake. And so they got in the boat and headed out. It says, other people got in other boats. There were other boats with them, and they were crossing the Sea of Galilee. And it said a great storm came up. This is in Mark 4. A great storm came up. Uh, must have been greater than previous storms because the disciples got greatly afraid. They were afraid. Water was coming over the sides of the boats. Uh, they were afraid they were going to sink. And uh, Jesus was asleep. I can't even imagine that. Sleep through it all. It wasn't uh, an aircraft carrier. 
just kind of gently rocking in the waves. And uh, he was asleep on a cushion in the back. And they, they went to him, Master, do you not care that we are sinking? We're going to perish. We're going to drown. And he got up and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the waves, Peace, be still. And instantly, when died down, the sea was calm. And he turned to his disciples and he said, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And it said they were terrified. They were just so filled with awe. They said to, uh, to each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Jesus was there with them. He was with them, and they were afraid. We all face storms of life. Many of you have faced great storms this year. Maybe you're in a storm right now. The storms of life are, are varied. It could be uh, uh, a physical illness, pain, and suffering. It's the storm you're going through with health issues. It could be financial strain and loss, uh, the burden of debt. It could be uh, mental, emotional, and just uh, the darkness of depression. It, it could be unbearable breakdown and loss of relationships, separation. Maybe it's not a storm. Maybe you're in the wilderness, and all is just empty, barren, Maybe it's boredom, the wilderness time. Are you aware that God is with you? Christ is with you. And what difference does that make? Now, the, the disciples had Christ in their boat. I kind of think, what happened to the other boats? What were they thinking? Where were they going to for help? So there's one implication there uh, you could ask is, is Christ in my boat is he with me am I in Christ do I know I'm a child of God that's where it starts God's promise is that he is with his people today it's a little different for us we don't have Christ here in the flesh we don't see him touch him with these physical senses like they could but the promise is the same I am with you. I am with you. Uh, God has always been with his people. He was with them from the beginning of creation with Adam and Eve in the garden, and that was the ideal. They could, he was as real to them as they were to each other. They could see him, touch him. Uh, they were aware of him in the garden. Then the fall and the separation from God. But that's been his assurance. And then all through the Old Testament, uh, as his people, and even like when he called a nation out through Abraham, that was his promise to Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation. But he says, uh, leave where you are. I'm going to take you to a land, make you a people of my own. And he said, I will show you. I will be with you. I will show you where to go. I will be a shield about you. An ever-present shield, I am with you. So he calls out a nation with that, with that part of his promise. I will be with you. And then he kept reassuring his people over time, all through the Old Testament. And uh, uh, I'm 
Uh, some of you, uh, like some of you, I try to make it a practice to read through the Bible every year. But that's the amazing thing to me, is as you read the, through the Bible and the pe God's people facing various challenges, whether it's war, whether it's uh, 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 other kinds of distressful situations, overwhelmed with life, uh, that's his promise. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I will be with you. Now, sometimes he gives them further promises. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to defeat the enemy. You won't have to fight today. Uh, uh, sometimes he calms the storm like he did for the disciples. Other times uh, it wasn't even a storm. It was just a wind against them, and he walked on the, on the water, and they said he got in a boat, and immediately they were at the other side. He does different things. Uh, much of the time he doesn't tell us what he's going to do, that's that's it. He says, I am with you. Is that real to you in the storm that you face? Here's an illustration. Um, he was with Abraham. Jacob had just swindled his brother Esau out of his birthright. He'd stolen the blessing, deceived his father. Esau was mad. He had plans to kill Jacob. And Jacob was fleeing for his life. He needed help. And here's this deceiver, Jacob, and God speaks to him. That's the, whoops, here we go, Genesis 28, 15. And uh, God says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you till I've done what I've promised you. That was his comfort to Jacob. I am with you. The people of God, God delivered the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt through mighty works, the plagues, destroying the army of e Egypt, took them through the wilderness, provided for them miraculously. They come up to the promised land. God was, was with them in the form of the cloud by day, the fire by night. And they come up to the promised land and they spied it out. And, and what do they see? They see walled cities. They see giants, well-armed people, and they turn away in fear. And God took them through the wilderness 40 years until that generation died off. Unbelief, they turned away. And it took 40 years. They wandered around. That generation died off. Now here's their children getting ready to go into the promised land. Moses is not going to be allowed to go in either, and he's giving his farewell message. That's the Deuteronomy 31. And he's saying, here's what he tells them. Here's what he gives them for encouragement. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God himself then assured, reassured Joshua, who's taking the mantle, going to lead them into battle. And he tells Joshua in that Joshua 1.9, Have not I commanded you? Be strong and have a good courage. Don't be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's the reassurance. I am with you. Over and over, in the scripture, God assures and reassures his people, I am with you. Now, a couple of 
more favorites of mine are the Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. Do not look anxiously about you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I'll help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah 43, much the same. He's reassuring his people that now thus says the Lord, your creator, the creator of all things. He has formed you. I made you people of God. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the water, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. Or will the flame burn you? I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I've given other people in your place and in exchange for your life. Do not fear. I am with you. That's the comfort. That's the promise. That's the assurance. That's who he is, Emmanuel, God with us. God has made that promise to you, child of God. Is it real? Is it personal? Do you trust in that in the midst of the storm you're in? David was a man after God's own heart. David, God had made king. David faced many battles and uh, even hunted down by his own king. Uh, fearing for his life, or his life was at least at stake. Here's where David rested. Psalm 23, very familiar psalm. It was very personal to David. If you read that, six verses over seven or 17 times is what I counted. He, he said, I, me, my. It was very personal to David. The Lord is my shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd? Are you a child of God? Have you acknowledged him as creator, owner? Are you following him? Then here's what David said was true. I lack nothing. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He gives me all I need for life and for godliness. He, he refreshes my soul. He gives me rest. Renewal. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, even the valley of death, I will fear no evil. He says, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. I can sit down and eat in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness, your goodness. And love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Promises to David where he lived. Now, are those promises ours? Is that to me personally as well? In Galatians, uh, Paul says that for now we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we who have been baptized into union with Christ are enveloped in him. We are in Christ. And now that we are Christ, 
We are the true children of promise. And all God's promises to Abraham belong to us as well. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, As many as may be the promises of God in Christ, they are yes and amen to the glory of God. God repeats himself in the New Testament over and over. Matthew 28.20, the, the last part of the Great Commission, you're familiar with that. He says, And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, I like that one, 5 and 6. He says, uh, keep yourselves free from the love of money. The things that we tend to trust in, we tend to look to, get our security from. Being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that I can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Do you hear God speaking to you in the midst of your storm? Is he saying, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Well, why do these promises of God not bring us peace and joy, comfort and rest when we need them the most? We're all growing in that area. I think one is unbelief. Sometimes I just don't believe. We don't believe that God, that the God of the universe who created all things, who is holy, who has all power, is really concerned about me, about my concerns, what I want, what I need. It could be sin. It could be disobedience. If I'm walking in disobedience, and I know it. What confidence can I have that God's going to hear my prayers? He says, repent. Turn away from going my own way. Follow him. It could be pride. Sometimes I just don't want to ask. I want to do this myself. The disciples, maybe we're thinking that. Hey, we've been through storms before. We're, we're fishermen. We know how to get across this. And uh, the longer they waited, the more water was in the boat, the more desperate they got. Sometimes I don't want to confess my neediness, how we need him moment by moment. We're like the disciples. Even knowing Jesus is with us, we get our eyes on the wind and the waves, and we get fearful. We don't see Jesus as the all-powerful master of every storm. Whatever the nature of the storm. Whatever the need. So we find ourselves fearful, just like they were. Well, how do we change? How, how, how can we grow? How can we become more aware of his abiding presence? That he is with us. We can rest in him. And leave the outcome to him. First of all, everything starts with prayer. <laughs> crying out to him. That's what prayer is. Crying out to God, help, I need you. Ask God to open your eyes of faith, to see him at work. Uh, pray in your closet, alone, with God. Pray together. Pray for one another. Walk by faith, not by sight. The disciples prayed. 
about faith. In Luke 17, they said, uh, Lord, increase our faith. And his response was, you only need a little bit. Uh, if you had the faith of, the, of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. Uh, but think about, too, uh, a seed, a mustard seed, uh, it starts out really small, but it grows into something big. So I pray, God, give me a growing faith. And then he followed that up with something that it's like, how does that fit in there? He says, uh, which of you have a, a servant working in the field? He comes in, and uh, you don't uh, serve him, fix his meal. He's worked all day. He comes in. He, he fixes your meal. He serves you. And then the servant eats. He says, so you too. When you do all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unworthy slaves. We've done only that which we ought to have done. How does that fit in with increase our faith? The thing I get out of that is walking in obedience, walking in humility. I've only done what I ought to have done when I have obeyed, when I've done what he commanded. Eager to please him. That's the way our faith grows, through obedience, through humility. Pray daily. Stay in constant communion with him. Pray alone in a place where you're undistracted. And pray with others. You know, we have various opportunities here in praying together. Um, we have a prayer team. If you're on the city, or you can ask to be on that prayer team and pray for these prayer requests that we get each week. Praying with one another for our requests. We have, uh, we have a, a monthly extended time of prayer, a half a day of prayer, second Saturday of each month. Uh, come and... and Pray with us there. Uh, we do uh, prayer. There's different groups that pray for various events that are happening. For the, the youth meetings and events, we have a prayer cover for, for uh, Celebrate Recovery on Monday evening. You can be a part of that. Maybe the best thing would be just start your own prayer group. Invite two or three to join you in consistent prayer. And pray. The purpose and focus is prayer. Um, don't just talk, pray together. The next thing I would say is uh, we can't grow apart from the word. Meditate, soak in the word. Romans ten seventeen. so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We need to be abiding in the word and letting the word abide in us. We can't physically see Jesus in the flesh. But we see him in the scripture with eyes of faith. So we must know and believe what he's taught us, what he's told us, what he's said is true, what he's promised. That's meditating. That's soaking in the word. Here's an example. In John 14, Jesus was preparing them for his uh, ascending back into heaven, him leaving them. I'm going to leave you. He says, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you that, uh, because I want you with me and uh, where I am so you can be there with me always. And uh, he says, you know, you know the way. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. 
Jesus was right there. Show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work, speaks to you. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves, the things that you've seen. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Emmanuel, God with us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So Jesus was preparing them for his leaving because Jesus couldn't be in all the boats. I wonder what the people in the other boats were thinking in the midst of the storm. But Jesus was there physically. He was going to leave. <clears throat> now what's going to happen? He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. We have it better than the disciples. He says that he may be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. God living in us. I will not leave you as an orphan all alone, on your own. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I'll show myself to him. I'll reveal myself to him, disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. How much closer could God get than in you? Emmanuel, God with us. And now it's God in us. He who does not love me, he does not keep my word. The word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Thirdly, I would say just practice his presence. Practice his presence. Be real. Be vulnerable with God. Enjoy time together with God. I had a very close friend who told me his story. He said that he had been a Christian for several years, by the time he got to college, he came to Christ at an early age. Uh, no serious rebellion through the up and down years of his teenage life. But he said that he got to college, and uh, by then the most of his growth had come simply by attending church. 
reading his Bible, hearing the word preached. Um, very little personal Bible study. Hadn't memorized much scripture. Hadn't meditated a lot on it. He was an average Christian. During his years in college, he, he, thought, he began thinking this, because college was very demanding, very busy. He, I think he had a double major. He said, someday I'll have more time. Then I'll get to know God. I'll have more time someday. Well, after college, he jumped right into more school, graduate school. Now, isn't it amazing how God will intervene into your life and uh, give you an opportunity to have undistracted time to pursue him in various ways. For my friend, uh, he got drafted into the army. You say, well, that's not relaxed time. Well, now he actually had a job that gave him clothes, room and board, medical care. And back then, $100 a month. What more could you ask for? <laughs> because of his education, he wound up with a technical job that was basically 8 to 4.30. Little responsibility for other people. He had time on his hands. In those days, uh, I guess... Soldiers were honest people. They didn't lock the chapel up at night. Because he said he would go over to, over to the chapel and it would just be him and God and those giant cockroaches that eat the book binders, bindings in the back. And uh, he would sing, pray, read the Bible, memorize some scripture, spend time with God. And he came across a passage in John 15, 14 and 15, it says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves. A slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends because all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. And he said what went through his mind was, I know I'm a slave of God, I'm a bondservant, a love slave of God, but I'm not really a friend because I don't know what he's about, what he's doing. I've really been mostly relying on myself, he said, and just doing what I've been told a Christian does. So he said that as he kept spending time with God, one night he was, he was walking and praying, and he said God actually spoke to his heart those words. No longer do I call you a slave. I call you my friend. That was life-changing. That was a milestone. Those verses became real and personal to him. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what I covet for each of us. That's why we challenge each other with the spiritual disciplines, prayer, Bible reading, scripture memory, meditation, Bible study. That's why we, we get in small groups to encourage one another in fellowship. Uh, that's why we pray together. That's why we'd like to see you in accountability with two or three others that where you really go deep in life and walking with one another and seeking out God and his word, reminding each other God is with you in this storm, in this challenge. It's all to help you know God and to believe that in a real and personal way he is with you. Not just during the gathering times on Sunday, 
but when you're home all alone, when you're on the job, when, when you've got to deal with all the stuff that goes on out there, school or work or downrange, the condescension, the getting chewed out, the tough times, the aloneness. But to be constantly in communion with him, to know he is with you, but to be in intimate communion with him constantly. The psalmist, Psalm 18, he, uh, he, he practiced it. Uh, he said it this way. He prayed. This was his, a prayer. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. From my distress I called upon the Lord. He was praying. He was in the word. For us this is the way God speaks to us. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is for me. He said I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. And then he tried to practice it. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. Because it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man, in yourself. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes, the government. Well, here's, let me suggest an application. For the storm you're in or the, the storm that you will face, get some unhurried time with God where you can hear him. Ask him to reveal himself to you in the midst of your storm. Like Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Then wait and listen. And then determine to do whatever it is, if anything, that he shows you to do. To become more aware. God is with me. He's the master of this storm. I do not need to be afraid. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. Emmanuel. God with us. I thank you for your promise. Never leave us or forsake us. I thank you that you are creator, almighty, all-knowing, infinite God. Whatever the nature of our storm, you are master of it. And you have promised to bring us through. Bring us through to victory, a place of abundance. Eventually, eternity with you, face to face with you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.